Let's turn. I want to look at something today. We've been looking at where do we put our trust? We ended it actually when I mentioned the fact that the Bible can be sort of summed up in two words. Trust me. Trust me. God is telling us to trust him. And I was really convinced this morning, really convicted this morning when I was running. We'll want something that's very important and we're going to talk about it today. And it's going to be here in what I believe God, the word is God has given me. And we're going to look at Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 9. And the question is, can we trust our feelings? We've been talking about it. What sometimes the lies that we believe about ourselves. And then last week we talked about the lies that we believe believe about God. But today we're going to talk about, can we trust our feelings? Okay, anybody like to stand, you're welcome to do that and read with me if you if you would like. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? That's it. (laughs) it. I'm looking to go on. That's it. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? It tells your heart and my heart without the redemption power of the Spirit of God working in our lives. Deceitful. Let me tell you. You know, have you heard some people say, you know, well, I feel like this and I feel like that. And man, I really feel like I'm down in the dumps and I feel that I should do this and I feel that I and do this and that. So can we trust those feelings? That's what I want to talk about today. And this may clarify some questions that you have, because see, again, a lot of times we look at it and we base truth or what we think to be truth upon our feelings. And it's not necessarily true. And that's what we want to talk about today. Feelings are fickle. You all know what that is. They waver. They come and go. One day I feel pretty good sometimes and I'm real joyful and happy and so forth. And then the next day, maybe not so much. Okay. And we'll talk about in the sense of are those things controllable? Is there anything we can do about it? I believe there is. And it's choices that you and I make because the Christian life is about choices every day. We're going to walk this way with the Lord. We're going to walk in the spirit, not gratify the lust of the flesh. Are we going to go in and gratify the lust of the flesh? Are we going to do the things that we want to do? Are we going to do what God wants us to do? Is God's will priority in your life and my life is the question. And so that's why we look at this. Feelings are fickle here. And so as we look at some of the lies that we've believed about our lives and how they affect the way that we live, obviously, If you believe, listen, if you believe a lie in one area of your life, it'll affect every other area of your life. You believe a lie. And I believe I want to talk about too as we get into it a little bit because I want want to expound on it a little bit. And that is sometimes we make agreements with the enemy. You know that? Sometimes we agree with the enemy. Sometimes we go, yeah, you're right. Uh, I, I just, I'm not worth anything. And the devil's come along and pounded you and saying, you know, you messed up and you messed up and so forth. And you really believe that God is going to forgive you. You really do that. And sometimes we feel like, well, has God forgiven me? I don't feel like he's forgiven me. But the truth of the matter is in what the word of God says and the truth of the matter he has. Jesus came. There's no now, therefore, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. When he said, if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Is that truth or is that something we sort of feel like? Well, I feel like it. I feel like God is with me, but some days we don't feel like God is with me. 
Does that mean God is not with me during those times that I feel like he's not with me and so forth? No. You see, our feelings can completely deceive us. And I believe that's one of the things that keeps us down at times. That we are not in that uh, place that God would have us to be because we believe and trust in our feelings. And again, last week we talked about the lies that we believe about God. And remember what the first lie that we talked about was? Is God helps those who help themselves. That's not true. It's actually was written by a couple pagan writers way back, okay? No, what the truth of the matter is, God helps those who ask for his help and those who recognize they need help. And he helps those who are dependent upon him and those who are weak and helpless on the, in their own strength. He helps them. But we think, well, I just got to help God out here a little bit. And so what happens is we begin to move away and walking in the spirit and doing what God would have us to do in the spirit. And we begin to walk in the flesh and we get tired and we go, I can't do it. And God waits till we come to an end of ourselves. And then he reveals to us and he's going, you need to tell me you can't do it. Because when you do, you'll recognize that I can. Ever just surrendered your life? And when you say surrender, the life of a Christian is a life of surrender. It's giving it over to Jesus. It is actually being dependent upon him. Now, we know that obviously we don't sit around idle and not do anything. But I'm talking about there's a fine line that you cross when you go, I, I, I can do I'm going to do this and I'm going to I'm going to grip my teeth, pull myself up by my bootstraps and I'm going to get this done. And we've forgotten about even asking for God's help. That can be true for any of us. It can be true in my life. It can be true in the life of the church or the, or the things that a church is trying to move into and God has led and so forth. We're going to make this happen, okay? We're going to do this. And God is sitting back waiting until we recognize we can't do anything apart from Him. In fact, John 15, Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing apart from me. And I'm talking about nothing means of eternal consequence. Nothing, absolutely nothing. So Jesus, God waits for us to turn to him. But that's one of the lies that we know that we think about God and things we've kind of looked at and thought about all of our lives. So there are different lies that we believe about God and who he is. And, and then, you know, you have, well, you know, I, I believe God loves me and, and so forth. But, uh, you know, I just messed up and all. And so maybe he doesn't love me now. Oh, he never stops loving you. Praise God. When you and I are at our worst, God is at his best. And so when we see and go through things in life, what happens is many times when things are happening and we get down in the dumps, and I'll say this right off the bat is we don't trust God's sovereignty. Let me explain. God's sovereignty means that he's in control. That means that he rules and reigns over all. And so whenever circumstances come our way, always remember either God has allowed those circumstances or else he's ordained it. So he's behind it. Okay. Now it could be the enemy is doing it and God's allowing the enemy to do it. And you need to pray and learn how to do spiritual warfare in prayer. Definitely. But ultimately our God rules and reigns. Hallelujah. And he's in control and we don't trust him. So something out of the clear blue because we don't understand it. And the other lie we believe about God is, is that, uh, well, God, we think is good, but maybe part of the time he's good. No, God is good all the time. And see, the enemy came 
to, to Eve there in the garden, got Adam and Eve, and, and he said, uh, surely God didn't say that. Don't eat of, of the uh, tree of, of uh, the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, he didn't say that really because he knew that once you ate of the tree of the good knowledge of good and evil, that then your eyes would be open and you'd be like God. In other words, God's holding back something from you. And God is not good. That's what he always hits in your life. Because when catastrophe strikes, when things happen that we don't understand, even when, say again, little kids that haven't had a chance to be able to walk with the Lord and, and, and have life in front of them. All of us here today have had life and, and so forth. But we think because something happens to them, well, God, that changes God's character. That's a lie. And that's a lie sometimes we believe. And we would say, never say that that wasn't true, but sometimes we live it out as if it is true, right? We sort of respond in a way that it's not true, Okay. I don't say celebrate sometimes when catastrophe goes, catastrophe goes bad and everything goes haywire. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying there's someone behind it who knows about it, who you can run to, who you can seek and, and give your heart to and allow him to work these things out in your life and, and in my life. That's what I'm saying today. I'm not saying that everything is good, but God is good and he's good all the time. So as we think about this today, think about your feelings here. Because this week we're going to look at the lies that we believe our, about our feelings here. Think about it. If you recall some of the other teachings that man's soul, again, is composed of three interconnected parts. One, our mind, our thinker, our will, or our chooser, and our emotions, or our feelings. Those three parts. Our thinker, our chooser, and our feelings. And our mind and our emotions are informers to our will. Think about it. Our will is, is to be informed by what we feel and think and then make conclusions and decisions. Our emotions can be very powerful. How many of you know that? <laughs> emotions can, can sort of dictate the way we respond to situations in your life, my life. Emotions will sometimes drive us. In fact, we know that if we allow emotions to control how we act and what we will to do, then it could be sin. But we don't have the yield to our emotions. Nothing wrong with emotions. God made us emotional. But when your emotions control you, that's when it gets out of line. And that's when there is sin involved here. So this is where we... Left off in the first lie. Look at the, listen to the first lie. If we feel something, it must be true. Okay, that's a lie. The world tells us what? To follow our hearts, but doesn't tell us where it will lead us. Anybody ever heard that? Well, just follow your heart. Most people in the world today, and maybe some Christians, will just say, well, just follow your heart. Okay. Well, according to scripture there, Jeremiah, it said that the heart is deceitful beyond all things. Our innermost being is deceitful and can really trick us and take us in the wrong direction and also, of course, away from God here. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six says, He that trusts in his own heart is a fool, but who walks wisely, he shall be delivered. So the world has told us that feelings aren't either right or wrong. And when listening to someone, we shouldn't argue with their feelings because of them, they're real here, certainly here. Now, listen to this. Consider how untrue these feelings must be. There's several uh, just examples here. Well, I feel unloved 
then I must be. Okay. I'm feeling worthless, so I must be worthless. And if I feel God has deserted me, then what's the use of praying? And I feel like life is hopeless, then it must be. The world teaches us that our feelings are the truth here. But that's as far away as the truth as you can be. Your feelings can come and go every day. Every day. I don't know about y'all, boy. I'm telling you. They can come and go. So if you feel in love, the world tells us, then you need to get married. But if you feel out of love, then you should divorce. You feel, okay? What is missing in this equation is what the truth is. What's the truth here about these things? If I feel worthless, huh? Well, and I, I meditate on that and I allow that to continue. And I've always used the illustration like, you know, the bird building a nest in your mind. <laughs> he keeps on. He keeps adding to that nest. We keep meditating, mulling it over. Before long, you will believe it and you and I will act upon it. But we have a resource. We can cast that out. And we guess that's not true. That's not the word of God. Infatuation, listen, is a feeling romance is a feeling happiness is a feeling sadness is a feeling nothing wrong with romance nothing wrong with infatuation or happiness we want that but i want to tell you today it's a feeling it could be deceptive certainly here but love isn't a feeling it's a choice we choose it's an act of our will we choose to walk with the lord we choose to love him back because he's obviously not made us robots and just said because he could have that we were forced to love him. It's a choice that you and I make to love him, to praise him, to be obedient to him, certainly here. So if we're to walk in freedom, we've got to realize that our emotions are not always trustworthy. We've got to be willing to reject any feelings that are not consistent with the truth. So. We're going to look at some application, taking every thought captive and making it obedient to Christ. You know how your thought, your mind and my mind is like a computer. Now, my mind is like a slow computer. My mind was obviously like the computers way back when they first started the computer age. It's real slow and it's sluggish and so forth. Your mind may be a lot faster than mine, but it's still a computer. And what goes in is what will come out. So if you put garbage in, Garbage will come out, okay? And so what we believe and what truth we believe and what we put in our minds other than the Word of God and the truth and what God speaks to us, then we know that those feelings will edge right in. Why? It's because we are human and our humanity kicks in. And God says in His Word, don't be conformed to this Word world but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind and what that means is through the word of god and when you read the word of god your mind your computer so to speak is being renewed it's being renewed into what the real truth is and so that's what why it's so important to get into the word of god so let me just consider the difference between truth and our feelings truth is objective it never changes it's consistent It doesn't change with the weather or with our circumstances. If God says that he forgave us, then whether or not we feel forgiven doesn't change the fact that he has forgiven us. Ain't that good news? Now, you're sitting here as children of God. You've come before him. And let me tell you, the truth of the matter is, is we are forgiven past. We know that if you're saved. 
present right now and future today. There are teachings today in the church and have been. I don't think as many today as it has been. But, you know, some churches taught, well, you know, you're saved and yes, you're forgiven. But if you kind of have a bad thought right before you die, then you're done. You can't be forgiven, right? That's not a good thing, is it? Because sometimes those thoughts come out of some anywhere. We don't know what we do with them and so forth and all that. I don't want that. God doesn't want us to obviously have to worry about those things. That's why the blood of Jesus is complete. It takes care of it. It covers our sins. Hallelujah. That's what it's about today. And you and I have got to believe this truth because our feelings will tell us something different because they wax and wane and they're all over the board continually here. God says He forgives us. Listen to what Martin Luther, a great theologian, said. He says, do you feel forgiven? Somebody asked him. And he, he replied, no, I don't. But I place my faith in the unchanging truth that God has forgiven me in Christ and I stand upon it. Just like on Christ, I stand. The cornerstone. He took my place. He paid it, paid it all. Past, present, and future. So when you mess up and the devil says there's no more hope for you, you say, get behind me, Satan. And then to walk on because you're forgiven. You're cleansed in the blood. In fact, in, in 1 John chapter 1, it talks about that if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You know what that word cleansing means? In the Greek, it means continual cleansing. Boy, we're being cleansed right now. Continual cleansing in the blood. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sin. Jesus had to shed, shed His perfect blood for your sins, my sins, and the sins of the world. And it's continual. That's the great, wonderful news. The second point is, is feelings are subjective. They change with the weather. You can feel happy one minute and sad the next. You know, with people having sometimes some, some challenges there with depression and different types of disorders and all and, and all. And yes, medication is great. We need to, you need to see someone and, and work with that certainly here. But we do need a daily dose of God's word. Amen. You need a daily dose of God's word. Feelings shouldn't pull the train. They're the caboose, not the engine. Feelings always follow facts, which brings us again to the next lie. The second is. I can't control my emotions. It's a lie. Let me just back up here just a moment and talk to you. I've always said, y'all have heard me say this many times, when I come into worship, do I always feel like worshiping? <laughs> y'all don't know. I come in and, man, I got my, I don't have a suit on anymore, but I sometimes, you know, I get, try to spiffed up a little bit. And I comb my hair. I, I get ready. I get cleaned up. I did take a shower this morning. And I hope you did also. And I come in here, hey, how y'all doing? Y'all great, you know, this is great. And man, y'all look great today, doing well and all these things and so forth. And all down deep, I'm going, man, I just don't feel like worshiping here. So what do I do? I begin to engage in worship. I begin to sing. Because singing is one of the most powerful things you can do. You want a mood lifter? Just get some, put some worship music on and begin to sing to the Lord. Or you may just sing because you know the song, whatever it may be, ever how you do it. And I lift my hands. So when I get in the act of worship, something changes. I'm ready to go. Amen. Man, it's like fuel in my tank. So that's what you do. You begin. But I don't always feel like it. But what do you do when you don't feel like doing what's right? You do it anyway, right? And then the feelings come in the right manner later on. That's what it's all about. That's why feelings are so fickle. 
They change with one way, the wind here and there and so forth. So again, I can't control my emotions. That's a lie. So while it's true that some degree we can't control what we feel, pain or loss, again, we're, you know, uh, grieving and these types of things, certainly here. The truth is, is you don't need to let your feelings control you. When they control you, that's when it's out of whack. Take, for example, a person of the opposite sex who is already married shows an interest in you. You feel uh, flattered. Do you then dwell on that feeling? Do you feel that feeling? Because a lot of times, again, I've always said, you know, a lot of people say, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I'm in love. And I'm going, well, do you know this person? No, I don't really know this person, but I'm in love with this person. I feel, I feel like I'm in love. And I'm going, you may not be in love. You may be just in lust, okay? Because it's there, folks. That feeling may be there. And that feeling can be very wrong here. So when you feel flattered or whatever, you, when you begin to begin to look at that, your feeling gets in there. And it can be sadness. It can be a lot of different things. I'll never get out of this jam that I'm in. And you begin to tell you that, that you tell yourself that fact over and over and over again. And, and you go, that's not what God says at all. God says that he, he will come along. He, he's an ever-present help, what, in our time of trouble? We go back to the Word of God and we say, okay, what does God say about my situation? What does God say? That's why we never give up hope with your feelings. Your feelings will obviously bring you to a place of saying, I don't have any hope here, man. There's just no way I'm going to get out of this. But you see, the truth of the matter is, God says, I am with you. Let me give you an example. This is something I heard recently in the conference here. If you remember all the characters in the Bible, they actually were people that uh, they were scared to death to serve the Lord. All of them like, oh, I don't want to get in. Remember, I'm the lowest in the lowest clan. I can't be used to deliver our people out of bondage and so forth. Remember Moses, he said, I can't I can't speak. I stutter. I can't do that. And, and each one of them, Jeremiah said, I'm too young. All of them said and made some type of excuse about why they couldn't do it. And sometimes I feel like maybe I may be sometimes that I can't do, do this Lord or whatever. And God said, but I want you to do it. And God may be telling you to do something and you're saying, I just can't do it here. You know, God never came along and sort of explained, oh, yeah, you can. Yeah, you can. He doesn't necessarily. What did he always say? He said only one thing. He said, I will be with you. Now, the guarantee that you and I have right now today as Christian, he is with us. He is here now. And whatever God has called you or me to do, he is with us and he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And so we can count on that today. But sometimes I do not feel like it. I feel like, well, God's vacated the premises here. In John 14, 27, it says, do not be afraid. It means that you can choose not to cave into fear. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. That means that you don't have to be anxious and it would not be commanded of us unless we had a choice. It says, do not be afraid. We've had fear propagated across the, the news media now for a couple years over the COVID situation. Fear. And they're even now beginning to say, oh my gosh, this winter may be worse than some of the other times. And saying this stuff. And we look at it and we begin to begin to take that in. And yet God's truth begins to be pushed out when God's truth should push that out and say, I will not be afraid. 
I will fulfill what God has called me to be. We are not to walk in fear. God didn't give us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and sound mind. That spirit of fear comes in. Man, it takes over. We are not to be afraid. Finances dwindling. Man, we're getting down here. Inflation's terrible. And, and all this stuff going on and stuff. And we look and man, bank accounts going, going right on down. We're not to be afraid. But yet, Jim, you say, this is my finances. I've got to be worried about this. According to the Word of God, it says don't be anxious about anything. Do not be worried about anything. Obviously. It means that you don't worry. You're not anxious at all. And the Bible says in Mark 11.25, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him. This means that you can choose to break anger's hold on you. You make a choice, I make a choice. Everything is choices. And we can control our emotions. I think sometimes it's just easier that we just don't bother with it. That we'd rather be angry. We'd rather hang in there with that particular bondage that we're in instead of saying, I don't have the be. I make a choice because God said to, and the truth is, don't be anxious and don't be angry about this, you know. Men stressed out. We've worked hard and so forth. And what they use stress as an excuse for outbursts, for anger here. Notice I said an excuse. And that's what happens. Our bodies do affect how our emotions operate. We're integrated beings, mind and will, emotions. All will affect one another. And I believe that letting our emotions control us again can be sin. I read of a young woman who was trapped in this excuse-making cycle until her best friend confronted her with biblical truth by saying, don't let tiredness be an excuse for carnality. Upon hearing this truth, she was cut to the heart and repented of her attitude. See, when we get tired, the enemy watches. When we get tired, that's when he strikes. Because what? We lower our defenses. We begin to sort of just relax, you know. But we're in a war, and that war never, ever eases up. It only eases up when we go to heaven to be with the Lord, okay? And so that's what happens. And, and so sometimes, well, I was just tired. We use that excuse. I was feeling tired. Therefore, I'm going to respond this way. No, we're on the battlefield. And you and I are on the battlefield day in and day out. Again, this is important that we understand that. When someone you love is being overwhelmed with emotion, either anger, which is the fruit of fear, again, or depression, sadness, worth, worthlessness, they need someone who loves them to listen to them and then to lovingly tell them the truth. Sitting in the conference here a couple of weeks ago, we were worshiping and I didn't know if some, that someone was behind me. But we were sitting there. And so when we came back in after we had a break, came back in. Um, a lady came up and told me, she said, I sat behind you a little earlier. And she said, I felt like the Lord gave me a word for you. And she gave me a word. It's just real simple. And she said, I don't I know her from Adam, didn't know who she was. But it was a real simple word. It encouraged my heart. I still remember what she said. Sometimes I'll say something real simple when someone is going through hard times and I'll say something like, you know, God is with you or God loves you. Jesus loves you and he is with you and he will help you at this time. That's it. There's not a major counseling session. It's just a matter of telling them what the truth, the truth. 
Because when a lie comes in through feelings or any other way, then a lot of times we obviously push the truth out. And we kind of lean and begin to sort of like uh, bathe ourselves in that feeling. And that feeling may not be true. And a lot of times it's not. Again, we need to be careful about that. But if you don't control your emotion, they will control you. If you let your emotions run your life, to run over your will and your body, then your body and your mind will pay for it here. In one book by a doctor here, he says this, medical science recognizes that emotions such as fear, sorrow, envy, resentment, and hatred are responsible for the majority of our sicknesses. Estimates vary from 60 to 100%. Our emotions affect our health. And we know that, don't we? But they've done research on this, and we know that it does here. Listen to what one patient was told by his doctor. The doctor said, if you don't cut out your resentments, I may have to cut out your intestinal tract. Somebody got an ulcer, right? Got to cut that ulcer out, right? But that's the truth. If you don't cut it out, I'll cut it out. The doctors will do it. But it affects our lives physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Because what we do is, is really, we agree with Satan. I'm no good. I can't do anything for the kingdom of God. It's too late. I'm too old. I can't do it physically like I used to do, you see. And I've always said, long as you're above the ground, your purposes haven't been fulfilled. When you're obviously in the ground, you'll be with the Lord. But until then, God's purposes are being served in and through each one of us here today. That's why I said you're important here too, obviously. So um, uh, the question is this morning, do you have any unresolved issues that are rooted in deep emotional hurts? Have you forgiven those who have hurt you? If not, then have you begun the journey to forgiveness? Have you? Forgiveness is powerful. Forgiveness will bring you down. And see, the person that you're forgiving, they're not affected by it at all in that sense. But you are. But it releases us from bondage, you see. And we let it go. You hold it on anger, fear. And it starts by confessing the Lord, admitting what God already knows. But obviously, when you hold on to something that obviously you're trying to carry, he and he alone can carry it. You can't and I can't here. We know, obviously, all the things we see today happen in our society. We need to be careful about watching that. And we need to be available to people. First of all, we need to obviously get alone and get with the Lord and, and see what He has to say about our lives if there's a particular issue in our life. That God wants to deal with the root cause and He wants to obviously work in that life to heal our hearts. You know, the, the expression of the balm of Gilead. He'll pour that balm, that healing balm of Gilead on that healing, that wound that's in your heart and my heart. And sometimes, you know, when I minister to people, and, and the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord brings them back, they'll go all the way back to their childhood. And something will be brought to their mind that was spoken over them. And it may be a curse, because you see, we can curse our children. We can speak curses, and if they're not blessing, then we know that many of the things are not neutral, obviously, if not any of them. Those curses can be spoken. And a curse may be spoken over us. And we go along through life and we don't realize what's going on because this emotional thing keeps popping up and so forth. And you get along with the Lord. The Lord puts His finger on it and it went way back in your childhood. And it affected your life. And God's saying, I want to heal that. 
And he'll heal it if you're open to it, up to it. Forgive the one that hurt you. And then break that curse off of you. Ask God to heal your heart and break that off of you. If you have trouble today, listen to this. Trust in God. Just feel like, man, I'm not sure that he will take care of me because my issue is so big. It's out of control. It's completely haywire. I'm not sure really. What it will a lot of times stem back to when your childhood, when you went back and how you trust maybe your parents or trusted other people. Maybe it was Uncle Joe that somehow betrayed you and maybe somehow you were hurt and so forth. So now what you do is you reflect upon God what someone in the natural, one of your family members or somebody, whoever, a neighbor or whoever it may be, and you look at God the way you looked at that neighbor. I can't trust them, so I can't trust God. See, that's what God is saying today. Because we're feeling this and that. The truth of the matter is He's totally trustworthy. And He is good all the time. You see, society, so medically advanced, has been trained only to treat the symptoms and not the root cause. It's just obviously a band-aid upon cancer. God is trying to get you and I free totally. And it takes an examination, the spotlight of the Spirit of God on your heart and my heart, and He'll point it out. He'll show it to you. And all He's trying to do is set you free. He's not condemning you or me. He just wants us free. Because we know those who trust in Jesus, they're free indeed. Amen. Christians have written for years that psychological problems are rooted in the spiritual realm here. Now, I'm not talking about demons per se, because it could be a demonic activity, certainly here. But I'm just talking about unresolved conflict or, or ingratitude, guilt, bitterness, unforgiveness, unbelief, claiming of rights, anger, self-centeredness, and so forth. They all have their roots in the spirit realm because they're violation of God's plan for us. All of them. What do we do? Just confess. Go before Him. Confess and repent. And ask God to heal that part of your life, you see. They involve, obviously, what happens when you do that. A rejection of God's grace. And God's grace is sufficient, you see. And what it is, the root cause is, obviously, like I said again, is that we're not trusting in the sovereignty of God. Let me give you a couple of biblical examples. I don't want to belabor, but here, Ahab, remember... He was married to Jezebel. Jezebel was trying to run everything. And obviously, um, Elijah had defeated the prophets of Baal there on the mountain. And Jezebel said, by next morning, you're going to be dead. Of course, Elijah went into depression. He was a man of God. He was a prophet. So it can happen to anybody, okay? You think it can. Oh, it can happen to anybody. And she was running things. But Ahab, Jezebel's husband, actually, he got depressed when he couldn't get in his own way. His neighbor refused to sell him a piece of land and he threw a temper tantrum and he laid on his bed sulking, refusing to eat. His wife Jezebel tried to pull him out of depression by promising to give him what he wanted. First Kings chapter 21. She said, get up and eat. Cheer up. I'll get you that vineyard of Naboth, the Jezreelite. Remember him? So she did. He was depressed, didn't get what he wanted. Sometimes we are obviously, I think we're in adult bodies, but we sometimes sulk like children, right? Didn't get my way, certainly. Jonah, remember Jonah? Everybody here knows the this, this story of Jonah. He was depressed and he was suicidal here. And Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord. Now, O oh Lord, take my life. Kill me, Lord. 
For it's better for me to die than to live here. And so God's response corrected his condition and to his anger, which was the root of his depression here. And he says, hey, do you have any right to be angry here? And so later, Jonah got angry and depressed again because a vine that he was was laying on and using for shade, it withered and died. Again, Jonah did not trust in the Lord's sovereignty. We think that we're in this world alone when we are children of the Most High God that we can say, Abba, Father, Romans chapter 8, Daddy, God, I love you. You're going to take care of me. I'm your child. I've been obviously an heir of God and co-heir with Christ. We've been grafted into the vine. We're headed to heaven. We don't believe the sovereignty. We believe God for our salvation. But in our everyday activities, we sulk. Because we don't believe God really has it in his hand. That's what happens all my life. That's what happens. I preach to myself, remember? It always is that way. We think somehow God has taken his hand off this country. No, he hadn't taken his hand off the country. We think somehow that God has taken his hand off the church here. No, he hasn't taken his hand off the church. We think somehow that God has taken his hand off of our lives individually. No, he hasn't. He said what? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And that's a promise that you can go to the bank on. Amen. I'll never leave you. He said, I don't know how this worked out, but I'll never leave you. And when you have God Almighty right there with you, you have all you, all you need. I have all I need, really, when you have him. So whatever you're facing today and whatever I'm facing today, when I have God, I have all I need. And if we'll just trust him, that we'll run to him and stop again having these feelings take over our lives here. We'll look next week about what lies we believe about our circumstances. Hannah, remember, she was barren and she had a husband who loved her provided for far better than any other's other wife. And yet she became bitter and angry and depressed because of her circumstances, which were beyond her control. David, remember what happened here? He experienced intense emotional pain and darkness, some connected to his sin, certainly, but other connected to his circumstances here. But what did David do? Let me just say, he said, why, O Lord, where are you? How long, oh God, cry out to God when you're in that situation where it looks bleak, cry out to God. And you say cry out. I mean, cry out to God. Tell him all about it. He already knows. But tell him your circumstances. Tell him about the thing you're facing. Tell him about the anxiety and the worry that you're facing in your life. Tell him about it. Get it to, before your Father who loves us beyond any measure that we could ever imagine. And he proved it by sending Jesus Christ into the world. Gave his only begotten son for you and for me, for the world. David cried out. When you cry out, something happens here. Now, Psalm 42. David says, why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? And the solution is this, there. In, in Psalm 13, hope in, the, in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. Oh, my God, my soul is in despair within me. The solution here, cry out to God. But I've trusted in your loving kindness. 
My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. And I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Choice, solutions to all these things that we face. Hallelujah. And I'll stop with this one. The scripture says, but as for me, I trust in the Lord. And I say, you're my God. My times are in your hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from those who persecute me. Make your face shine upon your servant. Save me in your loving kindness and let me not be put to shame, O Lord, for I call unto you. Don't trust your feelings. Trust in God. They're fickle, aren't they? Everybody get this. Does that make sense? Everybody go. "Mm -hmm." (laughs) You think somehow because you haven't trusted the Lord that you have. This is from the conference. I'm going to share with you real simple. It's a cliff notes. uh, Something I spoke to me. I mentioned earlier. It appears, and it does, that God used people in the Bible that looked like the less likely for God Almighty to use. They were, I mean, I always look at them and I'm going, man, I'm a candidate for the service with God. Anybody feel that way? I'm a candidate. Man, I'm... (laughs) When I first started, I said, Lord, I don't like public speaking. I don't like to speak before people. I'm scared to death. (laughs) And I went, Lord, but you said, you said, all right, the least likely. I said, I'm not theologically astute, okay? Well, God gave me a download. Y'all know what that is as far as the computer is concerned. He gave me a download of the Bible, okay? And the things of God in a very short period of time. It was just grace. It wasn't me. Uh, My grades were challenged in college and so forth. But God seems to use those who are most likely that wouldn't be used, okay? And you you remember, um, you look at Moses, Jeremiah, I mentioned David. And then there was Peter. And I'll share the story from the conference real quick. Peter was someone, if you remember the scriptures, that would always open his mouth and insert his foot. I know none of y'all do that, but I do. I sometimes speak. You know what I pray every morning? I say, Lord, put a muzzle over my mouth. I pray that every day because I speak when I should be quiet. Okay. And if you look at the scriptures of Matthew and you go through each chapter, you know, Peter was always opening mouth and inserting foot. And he may on several occasions. Okay. But God has chosen him. God had had his hand on him. Okay. And so what would happen was, is that Peter would always um, answer Jesus, when Jesus was not answering, asking a question. How many of you like that? You answer and no one really has asked you a question. I just answer. Okay. And if you remember there with with Peter. um, That when Peter was getting ready, everybody knows the story where Peter was got out of the boat and started walking on the water. Well, Peter here, this big fisherman, he's a tough old dude. And Jesus, he looked, he saw Jesus walk on the water and he said, Jesus, is that you? Then let me come to you. Okay. All the disciples are sitting in the boat now. But Peter was the one brash enough to be able to say, Lord, let me come to you. I don't walk. Think about it. This actually happened. This is not a story tale. 
He actually got out of the boat. This actually happened. Okay. Some people say, ah, oh, it's just a, no, it actually happened. And so Peter, you think about it. He got and stepped out of the boat, put his foot on the water. You know how you would do. You, you put, is it going to hold me? Okay. You know, think about it. You're in a boat out here in the Gulf and you step out of the boat and put your foot on the water going, is that going to hold me? You know, and I'm sure the disciples who were really like, Hey man, Hey, get it. Yeah, Peter, you go out there. You walk on the water. And all of them were standing back. Obviously, a lot of people will applaud you from a distance. But when you begin to step out for God, a lot of them will say, go ahead, go ahead, man. What? I'll see what happens to you. And then if God tells me to do it, then I'll do it. But you go ahead first. You go first. Okay. And so Peter steps out of the boat and he begins to walk on the water. But he saw it says he saw the waves that were chopping around him and all and uh, he lost his faith and he began to sink. Jesus went over and picked him up, put him in the boat. Remember? Okay, here we go. And if you look at the next story where he looks at, um, remember Jesus and uh, Elijah, Moses, uh, Jesus came up, took him and John and went up on the Mount, Mount of Transfiguration. Here we go. And he chose Peter. And he went up there, remember, and there in the cloud, Moses and Elijah were uh, appeared to him and Jesus was there Peter there was no question that Jesus asked him at that time but Peter it says and Peter answered here he goes again and he said Lord it is good that we're here man I'm glad we're here we're the right ones that are in the right place with you at this time okay Jesus didn't ask him anything and then Peter goes on to say, but Lord, we'll build, build three tabernacles up here with, for you. Remember the story? Remember that? We'll, we'll be right. And we're going to build them for you. We're going to do this and that. And so um, you remember uh, Peter was saying all these things and Jesus wouldn't ask any questions. Okay. And so he went on and then remember the story where Jesus said, who do you say I am? And none of them spoke up except for Peter. Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Remember that? And, and, and remember that Jesus said, blessed are you, son Barjona, because that wasn't revealed to you by man. But that was a revelation from my father in heaven, right? He got it right. He's a Messiah. Okay. And Peter, he said, on this rock, he said, he said, uh, I will build my church. He was talking about that, the theology that obviously the belief, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, He obviously, we build it on Jesus. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All others ground is sinking sand. And so forth. Well, Peter probably, and he says this, he said, and I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom. I never saw it like this. Pastor explained it and looked at it from a, from a way that's very understandable. But he said this, Peter, I'm sure, probably thought, man, I got the keys to the kingdom. And Jesus, my, Jesus said, on, he's going to build his church on, 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 on me, on me, my rock, okay, and all and so forth. If you think about it. And Jesus went, but right behind that here again, Jesus is answering a question that he was not asked the question. He said again, then remember, he said, I've got to, Jesus is telling his disciples, I've got to go to Calvary and die for the sins of the world. And Peter went up and said, Lord, may it never be. We're going to stop this thing from happening, right? And you remember the story, remember? And what did Jesus tell him? Get behind me, Satan. 
So right behind a real high spiritually, Jesus said, get behind me, Satan. Okay. If you remember also, Peter denied the Lord three times. He told him. So here we've got this big old brute fisherman that keep running his mouth, keep talking and saying all these things out of that. And yet God has chosen him. And God has put his hand on him. And if you remember what happened, is Peter obviously went, when they established the church during that time, when they finally came down to it and the world had enough of Peter because he was evangelizing and people were coming to Jesus Christ in numbers and numbers and the church was growing and, and being established. You remember that and the world said, we got to stop this. And then they went and they crucified Peter. Remember? And Peter said, I don't want to be crucified like my Lord because I don't in any way stand up. I humble myself. I want to be crucified upside down. So they many believe the way theologians that Peter was crucified upside down. So it would not be like his about Jesus, the Messiah, his Lord. Okay. He was so in love with Jesus. Okay. All right. Here's the point that I want to make. And this is the point the pastor made is all of us have a touch of of uh, divinity. And a whole lot of humanity in our lives, all of us. Okay, We're not God. Don't get me wrong here. But it's a part of us who want to do, wants to do the will of God and wants more of God than what we have right now. And that's the Spirit of God working in your life, my life. And so all of us have got that side of us that are humanity. But what the word this pastor brought, and I want to bring it to you today. When you mess up, the devil will say, you know what, you've, you've messed up for the last time. You might as well give up on this. Jim is, and the word is saying all these things and I've listened and so forth, but I just need to throw the towel in on this Christian life. That's not what God says. He says the humanity's there. Won't get any better until we get to heaven. But he says this, that you and I are chosen. Remember the Bible says, is that we didn't love him first. He first loved us. He started this whole thing. And the reason I stand before you today is not because I all of a sudden sort of got in my heart saying, man, I, I've got to start seeking the Lord. No, it was because God sought me out. The Bible says that Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. Don't disqualify yourself. Because you feel like I've blown it. And I'm really, because all of us feel like I want to do more for the Lord than what I'm doing. Of course you do. And we are. You need to move out as the Lord tells you. But do not, do not throw the towel in on your walk with the Lord because you feel like I'm disqualified because I don't measure up. You see, in God's eyes, you're his child. And he's never going to stop loving you. And he has a plan for you. And you know what? I know we can choose and do this and that. But God has a way of fulfilling his plan in your life and my life in a way. I don't understand that. Philippians 1, 6. This is the confidence that we have that he who began a good work within us will bring it to completion at the day of Christ Jesus. He started it, right? Everybody in here, amen. He started it. He's not going to finish with you. He's not finished with me. He's not finished with this church, okay? But sometimes the devil will tell you, you know, you just you need to just stop this stuff because you've messed up. You've done open your mouth and inserted foot just like Peter. 
And look how Peter, under the power of the Holy Spirit, turned this world upside down. Do you realize that we're here to turn this place upside down in a good way? Okay? We're not here to sort of just kind of like tread water. We're here to, to get on our skis and get behind that ski boat and, and f- go thrive through what God has given us today. But we're beat down again because we don't know our identity in Christ. And we don't know who He is in us. And we don't know who we are in Him. Jesus is saying, don't disqualify yourself. Don't do that. You've messed up. You feel like you're not qualified. You don't have a theological degree. You don't have this. You don't make any difference. You have a testimony. If you're saved here today, you have a testimony. And you can be a blessing to other people. You don't have to have all the answers. You don't have to worry about what if they they ask me something, am I going to be able to explain all this? You don't ever worry about that. When you step out in faith, you watch what happens. You get blessed. Just like tithing. We're going, how am I going to make it here? 10% or whatever. But you step out and you begin to tithe and you watch what happens in your your uh, bank account. You watch what happens. Not necessarily that God's going to come in and do this and that, but you get blessed. Share with you real quick. My daughter and son-in-law, I shared in, in Sunday school. They're going to a church <clears throat> and they became members recently. And the pastor said this. It was a commitment card. And we should commit when you come and you give your life to Jesus. This is not just about sort of floating through life. When you make him and give him control of your life and you get saved, then this should come because you see God owns it all anyway. And one of the things that that uh, they do at this particular church, and I agree with it in Malachi, the Bible says, test me. God says, test me. And bring the tithe into the storehouse and see if I won't just pour the blessings out on you. And this church, what the pastor, when he talked, big group of new members class, he said, what I want you to do is, uh, if you're not tithing, to try tithing for 90 days. He said, and after the 90 days, if you don't feel that you're blessed, then we'll give you your money back. (laughs) You ever heard that? Okay. In 20 years, they've only given back the money. People have come and said, I wasn't blessed. And it was because one was going through it. A lady was going through a divorce. The other was, is that Harvey, when Harvey hit and they needed the money, and then the other had a sickness and so forth. All of it had the reason for it, but only four in 20 years. And this church is, is, I mean, it is thriving. God is blessing it and touching people's lives, changing people's lives. Okay. Jesus said, test me. God said, test me and see if I don't pour the blessings out. But you got to get out of the boat before you get blessed. We love our comfort zones, don't we? I do included. But when you risk for the Lord, you step out when he could feel like he's called you and you say, yeah, but I got all this mess. I opened foot my mouth and put my foot in and all this stuff don't make any difference. You got divinity. God is saying he's got a plan for you. Amen. All right. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, your, your truth. Thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for your love, your goodness, and thank you for your presence always. Well, we just pray we want to get out of the boat. We don't want to stay in the boat. We want to step out for Jesus. Father, I pray everybody in here would realize their calling for this church, but most of all, their relationship with you, Lord. I just pray the fullness of that. Father, you said the prayer that Paul prayed that you would strengthen our inner man with all power, that we would know how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. 
that we may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. I pray these, this congregation be filled full of God. And your word right behind it says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we think or ask. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We pray. Fill us again, Lord. Holy Spirit, deposit, Lord, in our hearts today an impartation of how great a God we serve. I pray everybody in here would fulfill that calling upon their lives because of your presence in every person's life. Thank you for what you're doing here today. Bless us. We ask you again, bless our time together with Save Savage. Thank you for what you're doing in that ministry. We join hearts and lives, and uh, we thank you again for your love through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his counsel upon you and give you peace. All of God's people said, amen. Thank you.